Well, good morning, everyone. It's my privilege to just speak to you this morning about something that's near and dear to my heart, and that's praying for one another. You know, we're in the series talking about prayer, and over the past several weeks, we've talked about some different aspects of prayer. Pastor Steve started out back at the beginning talking about the high cost of our access, our direct access to God. And then we talked about prayers of passion for God. And then Pastor Jay talked to us about why it's important to pray prayers of confession. Pastor Brian talked to us about praying for our nation and our leaders and our dual citizenship. And then last week we talked about the biblical pattern for approaching God. And so that brings us to today. This morning I'm going to talk to you from Scripture, and we are literally going to be all over Scripture this morning. So get your Bible out and get your thumbs warmed up so you can turn those pages. I'm going to talk to you a little bit from the heart and give you a couple of practical suggestions. And then we're going to consider how the topic of praying for one another ties back to the gospel. So let's dive in. Praying for one another, in more theological terms, you've maybe heard the words intercessory prayer. And you go, well, that's one of those church words. I really don't know what it means. The word intercessor is actually from the same root word as our word intercede. It's not really a church word. In fact, it's more of a word from the legal world. The dictionary says this, an intercessor, what does intercession mean? It means to intervene between parties with a view to reconciling differences. So if we think about that, how we would apply that to prayer, we're talking about getting in between someone and God and, and mediating for them with God. Now, let's talk a little bit about the orientation of our prayers. The last several weeks, all the prayers we've talked about now are what I would call vertical prayers. In other words, I'm praying for something, and I'm asking God for stuff, and God pours out things onto me. Okay? But intercessory prayer is kind of horizontal. Now, it still goes through God, but it has a horizontal component, a relational component. I pray prayers to God for someone, and God pours out something on someone else. Does that make sense? Why should we pray for others? Well, first of all, it's commanded in Scripture. Let me give you a few spots that uh, you can look and think about. 1 Timothy 2.1 says this, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Ephesians 6, verse 18, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. James 5, 16 says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. And then here's one that kind of comes at it from the reverse. Samuel is in his farewell speeches. He's kind of retiring as the spiritual leader of Israel. And it says this, as for me, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. So we should pray for others because of the commands of Scripture. Also, we can look at the, the examples of the Old Testament fathers. Now, I'm just going to share a couple of those with you because there's a lot of them. Let's look at Moses. In Deuteronomy 9, he's giving sort of his farewell speech as he's stepping down as the leader of Israel and his time is ending. And he says this, Then the Lord said to me, Arise and go down quickly from here. He was on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. For your people whom you have brought from Egypt have acted corruptly. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made themselves a metal image. Furthermore, the Lord said to me, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stubborn people. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make of you a nation mightier and greater than they. Jump down to verse 18. 
It says, Then I lay prostrate before the Lord as before, forty days and forty nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all the sin that you had committed in doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure that the Lord bore against you, so that he was ready to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me that time also. Now think about this. What's Moses saying? God's going, look, I've had it with Israel. I'm going to destroy them. And Moses prayed for them, and God relented because of his prayer. That's a powerful prayer. And then Samuel again, back in 1 Samuel 7. Israel had kind of gotten into sin, and they realized the error of their ways. They come to Samuel, and they said, Samuel, we've messed up. In 1 Samuel 7, verse 5, he says this. Then Samuel said, gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. And then the example of Daniel in Daniel chapter 9. There's a long, lengthy prayer here. It just starts out like this. It says, then I turn my face to the Lord God. And seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. Daniel's praying for the sins of Israel. Now it's interesting, Daniel's prayer is pretty powerful too because if you jump down to verse 20 in that chapter, he got an answer in person from an angel. So God heard his prayer. Why else should we pray for others? Well, how about the example of the early church? In Acts chapter 12, you find this. And when he had seized him, that's talking about Herod, he put him, that's talking about Peter, in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out, of, out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. So what happens? God sends an angel and breaks him out of prison. And if you remember the story, he shows up and they're praying for him. And they're going, well, it can't really be him. It's like, no, it's, it's him. He's there. God, God heard their prayer and rescued him. John, in 3 John, he's writing to, to a man named Gaius, and he says this to him. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, that you may be good in, in good health as it goes well with your soul. And then Paul. We can look at Paul's writings. There's, I find over a dozen passages in, the, in Paul's writings where he talks about praying for others. Um, I've given you a list. It's on your study guide. You can look at that. Let me just read a couple to you. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 9, Paul says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers. In Colossians 1.9, kind of a similar thing. And so from the day that we heard... We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And finally, why should we pray for others? Well, how about the example of Jesus, who's our example in everything? Luke 22, I know you guys know, a lot of you know this, this verse. He, Jesus tells Peter that he's praying for him. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. Now, there's an interesting thing about those verses. When he says, Satan has demanded you, that's plural. In other words, he's saying Satan has demanded you, the early church, not just Peter, the disciples. But when he says, I have prayed for you, that's singular. I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith may not fail. And then in John chapter 17, if you look at that, Jesus has a long prayer there. The whole chapter is a prayer. And he prays for a couple of different things there I want to take a look at. Starting in verse 6, he prays for the early church and the believers of that time. 
He says, I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know everything that you have given me is from you, for I've given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. Then if you get down to verse 20, Jesus prays for all believers. He says, I didn't ask for these also only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago in that garden, before Jesus was hauled out to be crucified, he prayed for you. So we should pray for one another because of the example of Jesus. Now, who should we pray for? Well, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, talks a little bit about that. It says, starting in verse 1 now, it says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Who should we pray for? It says here, Thanksgivings and prayers should be made for all people. We should pray for everyone. So that word all, it means all. We should pray for everyone. Now Paul also tells us in Ephesians 6 that we should pray for believers. It says in Ephesians 6.18, it says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We say, well, Joe, that's redundant, right? Paul told us to pray for everybody. Now he's telling us to pray for believers. Why? Well, this verse is right at the end of that famous passage that talks about putting on the full armor of God. It's talking about spiritual warfare. And what Paul's really saying here is believers need that extra measure of prayer. Why? Unbelievers, they're already in the hands of the enemy. He didn't have to, to get them. He's got them. But believers, the enemy is out to destroy us. We need an extra measure of prayer to protect us from the schemes of the enemy. Who else should we pray for? Well, how about people that treat you well? Proverbs 11.26 says this, People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. That's an interesting verse. Now realize the Proverbs are not like commands and things. They kind of talk about human nature, right? How people are. Somebody does something good for you, you're going to pray for them, right? Well, Jesus comes along in the New Testament, and of course, like everything else, he turns that upside down. In Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27, he says this, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. See, we've also got to pray for people who do not treat us well. In fact, if someone's treating you in a non-Christ-like manner, don't they need extra prayer? Shouldn't we maybe be pouring out a little bit extra prayer on them? So we talked about why we should pray and who we should pray for. What do we pray for? Well, I think we can start with the desires of our hearts. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And then also in Matthew 7, starting in verse 9, there's, Jesus says this. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? 
So I think we should also be praying for good gifts. Now, I don't think either of these passages is necessarily, although Matthew 7 is maybe more about prayer, but they're not specifically telling us to do it for other folks. I think the other thing I would say, though, is it doesn't seem to me that they're limited to just us. That we're just saying, hey, it's, I can ask good things for me. You know, my prayer shouldn't be, you know, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. Like God's some spiritual genie, I rub the lamp, hey God, I'm asking for this, I need this. No, and our desires need to be for others. We need to not just be saying, hey God, pour it out on me. We need to be turning that out toward others, right, in love. Now what else can we pray for? Scripture has a whole bunch of examples, and I'm just going to run through these. I've given you the scriptures here that you can look at. But some things that I see in scripture where someone is praying for someone else. 2 Corinthians 13 has a passage where we can pray for someone to stay away from sin. Ephesians 1, we can pray for someone to know Jesus better. Ephesians 3, we can pray for strength and power for someone. Colossians 1, we can pray for knowledge and wisdom for someone. How about Philippians 1, we can pray that someone's love increases. 2 Thessalonians 3, we can pray for protection on someone. In 2 Corinthians 1 and Philippians 1 both talk about deliverance, asking for prayers of help. And then I notice there's several passages, Matthew 9, Romans 10, Colossians 4, 1 Timothy 2, that talk about missions. You know, Matthew 9 is that famous passage that talks about uh, praying for laborers to go into the harvest field, right? So we can pray for those things. Now, one last thing I want to just pay particular attention to is prayers for healing. There's several examples of prayers for healing in Scripture. I've given you some on your outline. All the ones that I've given you, you would notice if you look at those, that every one of those, the prayer was answered. The prayer for healing was offered, and it was answered. But I want to call your attention in particular to a special kind of healing prayer. In James chapter 5, elder prayer for healing. Listen to this passage. It's a very interesting passage, very rich. Starting in verse 13, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. There's a lot in that little passage there. So it's saying if you have a particular health problem that's a, that's a difficult one, you can come to the elders of the church and they will anoint you and pray for you. Now notice in this passage there's a connection here between confession and prayer. Because it's saying if I'm going to come and ask the elders for prayer, if there's something going on in my heart that's not right, I haven't confessed that to God, that I need to get it out in the open. Maybe that's why I'm not being healed, is because I haven't come clean with God about what's going on in my heart. There's a definite connection there. Now, we're going to give you an opportunity at the close of the celebration today. The elders are going to be here over on the sides, and they're going to give you an opportunity to be prayed for. So be thinking about that. Let that kind of soak and see if that's something you want to take advantage of today. So we've talked about why we should pray and who we should pray for, and what we should pray. How do we pray? 
Well, I see five things that I think we're gonna, we need to consider this morning. The first of them, maybe the most important, is with faith. Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 22, Jesus is talking to them and he said, the disciples and he says this, and God answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it or are receiving it, might be another way to, to read that, and it will be yours. Now look, I've done this. How many times have you been in a situation where you pray for something, you're going, this is a tough one, I, you know, I'll pray for it, but it's not really going really to happen. Have you been there? This one's too big for God, is really what we're saying. Let me tell you what, there ain't anything too big for God. We can't be that way. We've got to have faith. That's what Jesus is telling us. If we have the right kind of faith, we can pray for amazing miracles, and they will happen. We've got to have faith as we pray. And we've got to believe on behalf of the folks. Now look, I realize everything I pray for doesn't always happen. Why? Because God's God, and he gets to make that decision. <laughs> but it doesn't stop me. I need to have faith as I pray for those things. Another way we should pray, with relational harmony, the very next verse, Jesus says this, And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father may also, who is in heaven, forgive you your trespasses. Now, isn't that interesting? He just said, pray with faith. Miracles can happen. Amazing things can be done. But he's saying this. If, I, if somebody says, hey, Joe, will you pray for me? I've got this going on. But this person's over here, and I'm going, well, I can't stand them. They cheated me. They did this. What is God saying? Forget about the ministry you want to do here. Go make that right. God thinks it's very important that we keep relational harmony. Does that mean we get along all the time with a right? No. That's, that's one of the reasons why it's hard to do. We have to be quick to be able to settle differences with somebody else if we want our prayers to be effective, is really what Jesus is saying. Third way we can pray, with boldness. Listen to this parable from Luke chapter 11, and let me set the table for this. Jesus, start the, cha start the chapter, Jesus with the disciples, and he, they say, teach us to pray. And he gives them the pattern of the Lord's Prayer that we, that we repeat or say, and it's, it's this pattern that we should know. And right after that, then he says this, and he, Jesus, said to them, which of you has a friend, and will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you that even though he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his impudence or boldness, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. So what's Jesus say? Let's, here's a story. A guy comes, he's knocking on the door of his friend in the middle of the night going, I have a guest, I need bread, give me bread. And he's like, I'm in bed, go away, leave me alone. But it's, Jesus is saying, he won't do it just because he's his friend, but because he's so bold, he's just got the guts to come do this, the guy will go, all right, I'll give it to him. Now this kind of goes hand in hand with the next way, which is we should pray with persistence. 
Now listen to this. this. Here's a similar story that Jesus tells in Luke 18. And here he sets right at the beginning, he's going to tell us the point of the story. It says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. And for a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God, who is righteous, give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Now here's, think about this story. He's saying, here's this widow and she's going, judge, I need justice. He's like, I don't care about her. But it's like, I'm just going to give her what she wants so she'll shut up and leave me alone. Now, I think both of these stories tell us something about the heart of God when it comes to prayer. I think that sometimes we have this picture in our minds that when we're praying, like, well, I already asked God about this, and I don't want to bug him about it again, and he's too busy for me, or whatever. And we kind of, well, I'm not going there. Well, that's not what I see here. God's telling us to be bold. Keep pounding on that door, even if it's annoying. I think God's telling us with this story about the judge, we need to keep hounding him about stuff. It's not about God's going, hey, quit bothering me. No, God wants us to come to him with boldness and persistence and keep after it in, in prayer. And one last way that I see we should pray, and that's this one, with depth. Colossians 4 verse 12 says this, and I realize when you're reading scripture a lot of times, you get to the end of some of these letters in the New Testament, and you're kind of like, so-and-so greet you, and so you kind of gloss over it. Don't miss this. Listen to what Paul says here. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Interesting, the NIV uses the word wrestling. Epaphras wrestles for you in his prayers. Let me talk to you a little bit from the heart this morning. Our worship arts community has had some deep prayer needs this year. Health concerns. Job concerns. Family things. Sin struggles, finances, you name it. Things that I've never seen in my entire time in ministry. And back in the spring, we had a, a, a time when the needs were coming so fast that it was staggering. I got to the point where I didn't even want to look at my phone or my email, like, who's in the hospital now? What's happening now? And I admit, it's, it's like, the best I can compare it to is somebody hits you, and for a moment you go, oh, and then I kind of caught myself. And I began to realize can't, that's exactly what the enemy wants to do to us. And I, as the leader, had to set the tone and be strong and be bold and pray for people with depth and call people to pray into these deep needs. I knew God was saying to me, someone who values and treasures prayer, that I had to go deeper. That these surface prayers, oh God, be with so-and-so, it just wasn't cutting it. 
You see, just like, why do we do fasting? Part of the reason I think we do fasting is God's looking for a commitment on our part. Are you serious about what you're asking me for? Take a step. Show me you're serious about it. Just like that, I think with our prayers, we have to show God that we are serious about what we're asking for. Pouring out our hearts to Him. Let me say this. We have seen miraculous results because of our prayers this year. Health things that looked hopeless. One situation that we've been praying, people have been praying for around here for 20 years that God took care of it. Twice, and I can, you can say it's not true, I saw it with my own eyes. Twice this year, we have folks that were leading out in worship who were here on the weekend, ready to, you know, ready to lead out in worship, except they had no voice. You know, you have colds or whatever, no voice. And we got in that prayer chapel, and we prayed for them, and they walked out in this platform and sang like there wasn't a problem with them. You're going, well, they just felt better. Well, then why, when they walked off the platform, did they have no voice again? Because God's big. Because if we believe and we have that faith that's going to throw that mountain in the sea, we're going to see God move. One of our folks in worship arts had a family situation that even back in July looked hopeless. I mean hopeless. There's no way God could move in it. And in about a three-week period, it completely turned around. I'm telling you, we have to have faith. We have to go deeper. We have to be willing to go to the mat for folks. We have to be prayer warriors on behalf of others. There are times that God is going, I'm listening to your prayer, but I, need, I want someone else to come in and pray in this. We've got to pray with depth. Let me give you a few things that I think we can take away from this going forward. How do I, how do I put this into practice? Well, first, I think we need to be specific in our prayers. Praying boldly, I think, means that we can be specific. Now, let's go back to my example. If I'm going, God, be with so-and-so. Well, here's the problem with that prayer. First of all, if they're a believer, the Holy Spirit dwells in them, so it's kind of a meaningless prayer anyway, right? Because God's already in them. But that aside, how do I know that's answered? (laughs) If I pray something like that, how do I know that that's answered or not? If I'm not specific, I'm not going to know that. I think we've got to be specific. There was a recent situation where I'm praying for somebody that had a job situation, and they kind of got, their job went away in kind of an unfair way, and so what are they praying for them? They'd get a job with more money, um, less time constraints on them, and so on. And those are the kinds of things that I think if we pray for, those are the ones where the person comes back to you and says, hey, I got this new job, more money, less, less time constraints. You're going, look, my prayer was answered. What encourages us to pray, I think, a lot of times, is seeing God work through our prayers. I had a scenario after a rehearsal here uh, just a little while back. where not, This doesn't usually go this way, but I had a line of people saying, well, you pray for me about this and pray for me about that. And some of them were the kinds of things where you're going, hey, I believe God's going to do this, but it's not going to happen overnight. By 5 p.m. the next day, every one of them was answered. Why am I surprised by that? I shouldn't be. i got to have faith. Be specific. Secondly, keep your commitment. 
Now, let's say somebody runs into you like this morning even and says, hey, I've got this situation going on. And you say, I'll pray for you. Well, here's the deal. And we've all done this. So you do that and then you don't. Because you forget or you good intentions. But here's the thing. If you say someone's gonna, you're going to pray for someone, it's a commitment before God himself. Take it seriously. One of the things I do to help with that is I pray on the spot when I can. I think that just helps because you're going, well, I don't have to remember. I'm right here right now. I know what you need to do. I recently went for a dentist appointment, and my dental hygienist is someone I really like. I've been trying to get maybe to come visit us at New Life and talking to her over the course of time. And she was having a knee replacement like the, that was a Friday on the next Tuesday. So I just said to her, would you be offended if I prayed for you before I left? She's like, no, I wouldn't be offended. I'd love it. So right there in the dentist's office, I prayed for her. Another way I find that works for me, if you think you might forget, I pray this one right on the spot. God, help me to remember this situation. Call it to my mind. Remind me. So God brings that thing into my mind, and I go, oh, yep, God, I need you to work in this situation. And I find that one is a good one, because God's going to answer that prayer. If he, He'll want you to pray for it. He's going to call it to your mind. Then you've got to pray. Third, third idea that you might consider. Keep a journal or a prayer list of some kind. Why? I think if you're going to be serious about this, you've got to be organized. Now, I have a suggestion for you that maybe some of you that are a little more old school like me might not have thought of, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with paper and pencil, but here's, here's what I do these days. Right here in my uh, notepad in my phone, here's my prayer list right there. It's a long one. Well, why do I do that? Well, number one, my phone's with me most places I go. Secondly, it's editable. So as new needs come in, I can put them on the list, or this one's been answered, I can take it off the list. Whatever works for you, I'm just suggesting keep a list of some kind. Be organized. Why? It helps you keep track of the needs, number one, so you're not forgetting. If you have a list that's long like mine, I don't want to forget this one. They're all important. But the other thing is this. As those things happen, you're seeing God at work, right? It's encouraging because you're going, look, God answered this one. God moved in that one. Getting ready for this, I pulled out a prayer journal I had on paper from the 90s from my small group back then. And I'm looking at that and going, yeah, look how God moved in this situation. Look how God moved here. Just like Israel, they put up monuments where God did big things. Those are the times that we need to be bragging on God, even if it's in our heart. God, you're powerful. Look how you moved in this situation. So be organized. Keep a list of some kind. Fourth point make time. I think that one's probably the biggest barrier to prayer right there, is time. And especially in our American culture, we're multitasking every minute of the day and doing 800 things and running from here to there, because I think the enemy uses this thing to put all this trash in our lives that isn't, that's keeping us from what's truly important, right? I mean, I know I'm there, I'm not saying anything that's not, not applying to me, Look, folks, if we don't make prayer a priority, then don't be surprised when we don't see God moving among us the way we want him to see, to see him move. We've got to make time. Now, look, I, pray on the go when you can. 
you know, in the car. I find I pray for folks a lot in the car. That works for me. If I'm in the car by myself, it's a great time to pray. Uh, I pray walking around. Uh, like, I work, you know, in the Lazarus building downtown. Those of you who remember the Lazarus, you know, it's a gigantic building. And so there's times when I have to go to a meeting or something. It's a, it's a fair walk. And so while I'm walking through the halls, hey, God, remember this situation. God, will you be in this situation? You know, waiting or downtime. Hey, I'm meeting somebody for lunch. I'm waiting around. I have my phone with me. I've got my list. God, can you do this? Can you work in this? Now, that being said, pray on the go when you can, but you've got to make some dedicated time. You have to. Because I think God's looking for more than just our leftover scrap time. If you really care about somebody, make the time. Which kind of brings me to my next point. Love others. If you love others, you'll pray for them. And if you don't love others, if you pray for them, you will. 1 John 4, verse 20, John says this, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Praying for one another is a way to express love. Now look, you're saying, well, look, that, that's, that's hard for me. You know, then ask God to help you love others. Let me tell you about, about Joe Brownlee. Back in the 80s when I lived in Champaign, Illinois, we had a mission conference at our, at our church. And I was at this banquet and listening to this missionary talk about his ministry. And I'm just sitting there and I knew my, my heart. I remember this very clearly. It's going, I don't care. God, what's wrong with me? Why do I not care? Why in my heart do I not feel the love that this guy is feeling for these, this people group he's ministering to? And I began to pray that God would change me. Now, some of you that know me today, you're going, you're a compassionate guy. That's not, well, listen to me. No, I'm not. I know who I am. I know who I was. God changed me. God changed me. I can't imagine being like I was back then. I remember it. Why? Not because of me. It's God. God worked in me and changed me. I tell you right now, if you ask God to help you love others, I guarantee 100% he's going to answer that prayer because it's in line with his heart. If you need more compassion, ask for it. And then instead of listening to the missionary and saying, I don't care, two years standing in, on top of the Temple Mount in Chennai, India, breaking down in tears. Because I understood how Jesus saw the people when he said they were harassed and helpless like a sheep with no shepherd. And he broke my heart for the people of India. God will help you to love others. One last thing I want to mention to you this morning. Accept prayer. Now, I suspect there's a few of you sitting here going, ooh, I'm glad he's talking about praying for people. I'm willing to do that. But accepting prayer? Ooh. That picture of prayer, it works both ways. I can pray to God, and he can pour out things on others, but it works in the reverse, too. People can pray for me, and God pours out things on me. 
You know, just like Jared in the skit, there's a lot of us that are quick to pray for others, but not so quick to ask for prayer. How do I know that? Because one of the guys that was in the drama wrote that, and it's basically his story. How do I know that? Because that was me once upon a time. Paul, maybe the greatest Christian that ever lived, requests prayer throughout his letters. I've given you a whole list on your outline, but listen to this one. Here's an easy one to figure out. Brothers, pray for us. 1 Thessalonians 5. Nothing theological or hard about that. Just asking some people to come alongside and pray for him. Look, if you want to pray for other folks, you should be the first one to accept prayer. And that was what really got me, is realizing that if I want to pray for other people, it works both ways. If they wouldn't accept prayer, how can I pray for them? You've got to be able to let it work both ways. You know, it can be a pride issue. So here's what I'd say. Humble yourself. Isaiah 66, verse 2. A lot of you know this verse. This is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. And then 1 Peter 5. Peter says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he might exalt you. You've got to humble yourself. Be willing to accept prayer. Now, some of you are out here going, well, Joe, that's not the issue. Just like in the drama, I don't want to keep my needs private. I'm kind of afraid to put myself out there. I, you know, listen to me. Romans 8.15, I quote this all the time. God has not given us a spirit that makes us slaves to fear, but a spirit of sonship by which we cry, Abba, Father. What's that telling us? If you have fear, it's not from God. That's the enemy at work. Let go of that fear. Small groups are a great place to give and receive prayer. God never intended for us to go it alone. Get with some other folks who are going to care about you, and you can care about them. Put into practice the things we're talking about this morning. And one other thing I want to say, if you know of a need, don't wait for someone to ask for prayer. Go. Isaiah chapter 6, last week we just talked about this. Isaiah confronted with God's holiness and greatness. He says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And he said, Here am I, Lord, send me. I think sometimes we're going, well, somebody else will take care of that. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, they might be offended. I, I don't want to be, that's the enemy talking to us. Don't do that. Don't go pray for them. You don't want to do that. Why? He doesn't want us praying for one another. If you know of a need, go. Maybe you're the only one God can send. And maybe other people do know about it, but maybe they're not going to go. If you know of a need, go. And finally tonight, as we wrap up, or this morning as we wrap up our time together, I want to talk about, for a minute about godly intercession. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. In Romans 8, it says this, starting in verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But as the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 
Now, what's it saying here? It says, he who searches hearts knows what's in the mind of the Spirit. Who is that? What's God the Father? What this saying is, God the Father, there doesn't need to be words when you deal with the Holy Spirit, between the Holy Spirit and God the Father, because the Father knows the mind of the Spirit such that there don't need to be any words. Knows what needs to be done. And then finally, let's consider Jesus, our high priest who intercedes for us. How's this tied to the gospel? Here it is, Hebrews chapter 7, this great passage. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost or completely those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered himself up. Jesus Christ, our high priest, even at this moment, making intercession for us. Our example. And that really brings us back full circle to week one. See, Jesus paid a high price with his blood to tear that veil and give us direct access to God. We can't hold that privilege selfishly to ourselves for our own gain. We've got to pray for others. And we've got to accept prayer from others to fulfill this high calling. Following the example of Jesus, our sinless high priest, we pray for one another in love. So tonight as we wrap up for this morning, we're going to take just a moment and pray for each other a little bit. But before we do that, I just feel like the Spirit has prompted me this weekend to give some of you a moment to consider this. I want here, just for a minute, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody moving around. This is time for just a talk between uh, you and God. If you're someone who's here this morning and saying, I struggle with accepting prayer. This is a hard thing for me. Joe, will you pray for me this morning? Will you raise your hand so I can see it? I really want to pray for you. I see that hand. See that one? Another one? Another one? Another one? Another one? Lots of us. Lots of hands. Thank you for being honest before God. Let me just pray for you for a minute here. God, for the folks this morning that are just struggling to accept prayer. God, that's the way I was. It's the American way, so to speak. Rugged individualism. We don't need anybody else. And it's a lie of the enemy. So God, here's my prayer this morning for these dear folks that want to accept prayer. God, break the hold of the enemy. May the lies of the enemy in their minds be thoroughly and utterly defeated this morning. 
so that they realize the high price that you bought to give us the privilege of praying for one another. Oh God, I pray that it would not just be something for this moment this morning, that these folks would be on a journey of being open to being prayed for, experiencing the joy and drawing together with others who would pour themselves out into them. God, I pray that even before we leave this room this morning, each one of these folks would feel a touch from Jesus this morning. We love you and we want to see you move. Be with us in these next few moments as we pray that your house will be a house of prayer. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here's what we're going to do this morning to wrap up. If you need prayer for the elders for healing, they're going to be on the sides. By all means, go and take advantage of it. If you know someone who has a need in this room this morning, go. Go pray for them. And you can lift up needs for folks that aren't here if you want. That's fine too. So I'm going to ask you to do this. Let's, let's all stand together. And like we normally do in our Brothers Keeper prayer time, if you have a need for prayer this morning, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand high so we can see it. And we're going to look around and some folks are going to come alongside you and pray for you. So if you have a need, let's see your hands. See here, here. Look around you, back here. Get four or five people around these folks. I see some back here in the back. Make sure we get four or five people around every one of them. And let's go to the throne for these folks. Let's pour out our hearts and love for one another. And again, if there's needs for folks that aren't here this morning, then lift them up. Now look, the worship team's going to eventually start and we're going to worship together. That's not a cue for you to stop praying. Prayer is going to take front and center right here this morning. So you take whatever time you need. We've left ourselves a little time. And let's go to the throne.